Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Fierce, everybody. Would you do me a favor and air high five three people and tell them it's okay to make mistakes? It's just okay to make mistakes. You know, you get lots of chances. You don't have to get it all right. Even if you're still messing up, even if you're still just making progress, even if you're just still on the way, we're all just still on the way. And there's lots of grace. You know, the cross, dude, it's abundant. The cross wasn't like a barely cross. It was the whole thing. That means there is abundant grace for everybody, anytime, all the time, as we would draw near to Jesus. And life is a lot about learning again that I need more of Jesus. I need his forgiveness again. I need to receive his grace again. Let's just all own for a second. None of Jesus' decisions were ever based on your performance. He wasn't looking for you to do great. He wasn't looking for you to be like, have this perfect score. In fact, he was pretty convinced you wouldn't. That's why he got up on that cross and died for you. And so I think it's just important for us to take a fresh breath and suck in some grace because that's what we need. And you know, as we journey through this life, we keep learning that we have to put God first. And there's lots of different areas to do that. And sometimes we get a little far along in this area, but then boom, the bottom falls out of this area over here. And we're like totally selfish and doing our own thing and seeking our own kingdom. And then, we're, oh my gosh, I got to go over here and try to prop this thing up and, and give that thing back to the Lord and put him first again. So there's lots of places that we keep having to put him first. But do you know, that was always the way it was supposed to go. Like no one was just supposed to warp zone, boom, perfect. No, this whole thing is training. This whole thing is God getting us in shape and we're going to be very done by the time you cross over into glory. Deal? I promise it's going to happen. He's Because he, it's his promise. It's not my promise. So we're going to talk about Joseph for a little while. Not Joseph, the father of Jesus. Joseph, the son of Jacob. And this is what we do, just so you understand how, how this goes in churches like this. We do a series. Like, like we take a part of the Bible and we go through it for a little while. And then, honestly, y'all get bored with that. So we've got to go somewhere else. And we got to get some other stuff. And so we've been in Acts recently. We'll, we'll probably come back to Acts before too long, but we haven't done a character study in a while. And I love Joseph. I think you're going to like Joseph. So we're going to dive in and see what he's got to share with us. We've got to understand that it doesn't matter where we've come from, what our family of origin is, what we've done. God has plans and purposes that he wants to do in us and in your family. The story of Joseph is very much a family story. There's an entire family context this is all happening in, and it's going to give us a lot of great lessons. And in the midst of this family story, God makes this radically startling promise that we all maybe have heard before, but we need to meditate, it on, it, meditate on it again. It's Genesis 50, 20. It says, as for you, this is Joseph speaking to the very brothers that have betrayed him. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me but God meant it for good. You and I are all going to face hardship. We're all going to go through situations where either we actually were betrayed or we at least feel like we were betrayed. Maybe we're not seeing everything quite right, but it doesn't really matter because what we feel is betrayed and we're bleeding out 
in our hearts. And the danger is we're going to become bitter. And bitter, how many know that bitterness just messes with your view of everything? Like bitterness shuts down faith. It keeps us from being able to see what God wants to do in our lives. And one of the real dangers is when we actually start to believe that it was faith or trusting in God that got us hurt. And so that really calluses us up because we're like, believing God was what got me here. Believing God was what disappointed me. So now I'm afraid to ever really, you know, I'll I'll still do maybe some some God-like things, but I'm not really going to totally wholeheartedly trust him again because I got hurt this way. And that is a fantastic way to do some real damage to our spiritual life. And you might find yourself there and and that's right, but can I just encourage you, man, we got pers- to start pursuing healing right now. You don't want to hang out there. You don't want to live there for b- very many years because you can waste a lot of years not progressing, not believing what God has for us. And so maybe for you, you're at a standstill marriage. You're like, this is the pits. This is not what I thought. This is not what I signed up for. Maybe you've got crushing loneliness. And it, like you, you, you hoped everyone said it would be better by now, but it isn't. Maybe you've got disappointment after disappointment because some family member, they decided they were just going to go off in their own way and they've fallen into such deep darkness and you're having a really hard time ever believing that they're ever going to get out of that. Or maybe you've just got some real resentment because people made certain promises to you and then they didn't come to pass and now you're really torn up about it and you're having a hard time even sometimes speaking about them with any kind of friendliness. The good news is God uses all that. He even uses pandemics and every disappointment we'll ever have to bring about his purposes and to consecrate us to his purposes. He's got his purposes, okay, and he's getting us in line with them no matter what is going on. Jesus said this really anchoring verse that I want us to think about for this entire series, John 12, 24. We're going to find this to be true. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. It becomes more fruitful, Jesus says. But there's a decision. He says, there's there's this choice that you're going to get to make, you little Jesus followers. If you're following Jesus, you're going to get to an intersection where you say, okay, I can choose to die to the thing that I want. Like I'm willingly giving it up because I believe if I do, Jesus will actually make that thing better and more fruitful than I ever could have made it, but it means I'm not going to get the thing that I want, or at least I won't appear to initially. God has plans that he wants to bring about, but the way he often brings them about is by our willing decision to die to self. That's part of the plan. So God, God has a plan for you. He's got a plan for your family. He's got a plan that he wants to come to pass. But we need to understand that God not only plans that thing at the end. He doesn't just plan the ends. Check it out. He plans the means all the way to those ends. And sometimes we're like, well, I don't like these means and I can't see the end. God says, I know you can't see the end and you don't like the means. But I use these means to bring you to my ideal ends. Years ago, um, my wife's birthday was coming up. And I got this idea. I'm going to send her to the Joyce Meyer Women's Conference. But not only did I have to just decide and buy the ticket, our lives are pretty busy. There's a lot going on with the kids all the time. So I had to plan everything that led up to the night of that conference. I had to get the right babysitters. I had to get the right rides. I had to tell the certain ones, hey, this is happening, but don't tell her. I had to get everything in order because I had to plan the means 
in order to get to the end. Now, there's stuff that happens in our lives that we're like, I don't see how this is good. I don't see how this goes anywhere good. And God says, trust me. I did plan a good end, but that means I'm going to have to take you through some means that you didn't particularly want in order for us to get there. How many already like this sermon? Go ahead and raise your hand. Um, thank you. I know that it's like COVID and everything, and maybe you got to shout through a mask, but you go ahead and give me some mask amens if you need to, uh, because you know this, I'll just preach better. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at Joseph because he's the perfect kind of guy that, man, he had, it was a great end, but he's a really rough means on the way to that end. So let me just give you the, the outline here. Okay. So Joseph is the favored son of Jacob. He's one of the patriarchs. He's one of the, like the guys that a big promise has been made to. And Joseph is like the second to the last son, but he's super favored. His, his old man unwisely creates all kinds of, he didn't intentionally, but he was his fault, creates all this tension between Joseph and all of his other brothers. He gets Joseph like this really nice, rich kid coat that he shares with him. Joseph ends up having these dreams, and, and he's, he's shown by God, someday your family members are going to, like in a startling way, show you great honor. They're going to show you great obedience. And, you know, Joseph's just a kid, and so he shares this with everybody. They get even more mad at him. And, and what ends up happening, his brothers get so sick of him, they're like, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Let's kill him. Well, let's not kill him. Instead, on second thought, let's go ahead and sell him, make, make a little bit of money on the deal, and then we'll just tell the old man that some animal ate him. And that's essentially what happened. It totally breaks the old man Jacob's heart. But as things go on, Joseph gets sold, and some, most of you know the story. He ends up becoming the prime minister of Egypt, which was the world power at that point. None of the brothers know about it yet. None of the old man doesn't know about it yet. But what the Bible keeps repeatedly telling us throughout Joseph's story is everything was really going bad. I mean, it was. But the Lord was with him, and the Lord was bringing about his purposes, even despite all the hardship he was going through. And we also see in Joseph these tremendously unfair things are happening to him. I mean, he's being falsely accused. He's being thrown in the dungeon. He's been abandoned by his family. People keep thinking the worst of him. He keeps getting in situations where everyone else kind of gets remembered and he gets forgotten again. And throughout all of this, he keeps a heart attitude of purity. He keeps his integrity. And like in a way that is startling almost. Like most of us would be like, I would never make it. I would never make it through that. God wants to use Joseph to inspire a phenomenal example in us, but he also wants us to know this story is not really about Joseph. Joseph is kind of like the main guy we keep seeing, but the story is about God. The story is about God's faithfulness to keep his promises generation after generation and to remain with Joseph. Now, anytime we're going to study something in the Bible, it's helpful to know who's the everyman. Like anytime you approach a text, you want to say, who's the everyman? Who's, who, who's supposed to kind of be us? Like if we're going to put ourselves in this, in this story. And you can do that with Joseph. And there's some places where that's kind of smart because it's going to really challenge our integrity. But for the most part, can I tell you, while Joseph shows us what we should do, Joseph's brothers often show us who we actually are. So this might be counterintuitive. In, in the Bible stories, look for the villain. That's usually us. Okay, what are they doing wrong? That's God is showing us something about you all do this wrong too. And you might not be known as the villain, but there's a villain in each of our hearts that we need to be rescued from. 
in Jesus, and that's one of the powers of the Bible. Now, you should also know that theologians and scholars tell us that the story of Joseph is kind of a pre-release of the story of Jesus. Okay, here you have this innocent that is betrayed by his family, betrayed by his brothers, and he's sentenced to death, but ultimately this same innocent comes back and pursues the very brothers that betrayed him and saves them out of certain death, which is what Jesus does. So there's definitely like a Jesus story going on side by side as we go through this. Let's go through a couple more themes of this story, and then we're going to dive in. Um, you're going to see themes of God's faithfulness. God is being faithful to his promise to Adam and Eve that someday there will be a deliverer that will come that will ultimately rescue everybody from the consequence of sin, which is death. And God is starting with a very small family, but that's ultimately that family is going to become a great nation from whom the Messiah is going to come. So God's being faithful to Adam and Eve. He's being faithful to Abraham. God is demonstrating his faithfulness, check this out, to even use severe wickedness severe wickedness to bring about his good purposes. Now, this is one of those things that should make your brain get in a cramp a little bit. And that's okay. It should because it's beyond our human hardware to be able to totally understand. But even when great evil has been done in your life, how many have some great evil that you can think of? They're like, I don't, I don't get how God could ever allow this. Even that stuff. God is saying through this narrative, I use that to bring about my great and godly, and awesome purposes. I've got a plan despite sin. And we're going to see about God's power that God can bring about redemption and often does through the hard thing. We're always looking for a way around the hard thing. How do I get around this? This is horrible. How do I get, we skip this step, God. We skip this stage. We skip this level. And God says, no, that won't won't do it. We need to go right through it. And I'm going to use the press of pushing through that thing to bring about my awesome purposes. Finally, we're going to see, and this is my favorite one, we're going to see that God pursues and he's faithful to not only the lovable and the righteous, he's pursuing and faithful to the villain. God is after the brothers. Like God is trying to win their hearts and be faithful to everybody all at the same time. God doesn't give up on us. Can I get an amen? And y'all are missing a lot of amens today. I don't know, folks. Man, we need some rock star up here, maybe a fountain of it, I don't know, but we could, we could use some more auditory. Um, you can take that as a word from God. Hey, how did God speak to you today? He told me to be louder in church. That's, that's what he wanted. So we all go through hard stuff. We all have disappointing circumstances. What we want to watch out for, and this is part of the purpose of today's message, we want to watch out because envy and jealousy enter in, especially when our life looks hard and somebody else's life looks good. We're like, man, why why do they get it? I've been doing all this. How come they're blessed? How come this thing is going on for them? Why did they finally get that thing that I actually want? We have to watch out for that subtle little enemy called envy because it leads to all kinds of dysfunction, family dysfunction. We're going to see family dysfunction in Joseph's life. We're going to learn over the next few weeks that it doesn't just start here. It goes way back several generations. There's envy going on. It's creating misery. It's making everybody just absolutely miserable because family seeds. We talked about, Jesus said, we're kind of a seed. As we choose to die to ourselves, something better grows. But there's also other kinds of seeds that we could say our choices are seeds. When families decide to make fruit-bearing choices, positive choices, everything gets beautiful, like awesome things result from it. But when families and individuals make negative 
bad fruit choices, they get all kinds of negativity. And that's what we're going to see today. We're going to talk about family seeds. And, those, and that takes place not only in families, it takes place in churches, it takes place in nations, it takes place in anywhere where there's kind of a relational seedbed. So what I want to do, <clears throat> this kind of narrative lends itself more to like scenes necessarily than points. So I want to start with the scene. We're going to go back in time though. In our story, we're going to start at the prologue. And then we're going to go into scene one, and then later we're going to loop back to the prologue. So let's start at the prologue, the long wait. Okay, so Rachel, this is Joseph's mama. She wanted some babies. She just wanted babies. I know that many women don't totally understand that today, but she just wanted babies, man. Being barren in that time was, was, people almost thought of it as a curse, like God is really against you. Now what makes it worse is she has this rival sister named Leah. And Leah keeps having all these babies. And when she doesn't have babies, she has little surrogates that have babies for her. And so Leah looks like she's really blessed. And her, they're both, I know it's weird, there's bigamy in this time and God wasn't down with it, but they were doing it. And so there's, all these other, there's other women that are also having babies for her husband, Jacob, but not Rachel. Rachel doesn't get to have these babies. And she starts to get filled with envy and jealousy. Let's read about it. After a long time, Genesis 30, 22, then God remembered Rachel's plight and answered her prayers by enabling her to have children. Now we've got to know, she's, she's going to have baby Joseph, but he's the 11th kid, okay? 10 kids have come before him. That's at least 10 years. So Rachel's been praying, believing, and resisting jealousy for 10 years. How many, I mean, don't you think you, you're kind of ready to give up after 10 years? If this thing hasn't happened after 10 years, is God just not going to do this? Is this not going to happen? Because, man, I mean, her heart was in it. It was the only thing she wanted. She wasn't asking for a car. She wasn't asking for a house. She was asking for babies. And God was not bringing along these babies. But finally, she has little baby Jojo. Now let's go to scene one, Tremors and Dreams. Tremors and dreams, 17 years is going to pass. Now, some things have happened in the past 17 years. Okay, Joseph is now a young man. He's also got a younger brother. So Rachel had one more child when Joseph was about six or seven, but then she died in childbirth. That's a whole message right there. But so now Joseph is 17. He's a young man, and he's got a little baby brother who's never really met their mother and he's with his father and all his brothers. And it says in Genesis 37, 1, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Now, we don't totally understand why Joseph is a little snitch here. But we need to understand some things about the brothers, okay? You might be tempted to think these brothers are relatively good guys. You might have seen the Ben Affleck, King of Dreams movie, and you think, oh, you know, they're, they're kind of rugged. They're maybe a little bit, you know, rascally sometimes, but they're probably mostly good guys. I got to tell you that these brothers are more like good fellas than they are like Ben Affleck and King of Dreams, okay? These guys, one day, a little while before this, they murdered an entire village. Now, they were doing it out of revenge. The prince had raped their sister. But, dude, they killed them all. These guys are used to brutal life. They're not friendly. They're not guys you want to mess with. 
Now, what could be encouraging about that for us is if you're from a background where you're like, man, I don't know, my family, we did a lot wrong, and my mom and dad did a lot wrong, or, or whatever. I don't know that God could ever use us. Well, congratulations, because you, they probably weren't worse than these guys, and yet this is a family that God is going to use. Verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. We know that Jacob loved Rachel, Rachel the most. Rachel, I was told when my daughter Rachel was born, is the most romantic name in all the Bible because Jacob worked 14 years to win his wife Rachel, and the Bible says, and it seemed like just a few days to him because he was so in love. So Jacob was really in love with Rachel. She was the favorite wife, and it had been so long, finally she had the boy, and now Jacob, you know, he's older, okay? So he's got the other guys to do a lot of the work. He's in his older age. He can maybe lavish a little more time, a little more love on baby Jojo, and he gets him this very, you know, long-sleeved coat that looks beautiful, and it's got a lot of color to it, and you got to understand, this wasn't the kind of thing that dudes wore back then. The rest of the brothers likely just have a plain tunic. That means it's kind of like short shorts attached to a short sleeve shirt. And they have that so that they can work hard during the day. But then along comes Joseph. And man, he looks like a real dandy. And like, oh, here he comes. Rainbow trench coat. And they're not understanding. You know, of course, Jacob probably is like, well, you know, I, I can recognize the gifts. We see that Joseph has some real leadership and administrative gifts later on in his life. Maybe Jacob recognizes that, but what does he try to do? It may be that he tried to raise up Joseph a little too early. He was, he was going ahead of God a little bit too much, and it caused all kinds of trouble. Let's stay in sync with God's timing. So let's talk about negative family seed number one, preferring one over another. Here's a negative family seed that was a part of Jacob's upbringing, is now a part of his kid's upbringing, but you got to know, this is going to cause a lot of tension. Okay, so favorite kid gets this special coat. The rest of the guys, they're getting fumed about it. They don't like to hear about this. They're going to be discouraged, of course. Now, Jacob, his mom preferred him. His dad preferred Esau. Then he went to Uncle Laban's. Uncle Laban preferred Rachel over Leah. So he's coming from this great family of like, everybody's got their favorite. And everyone's preferring one over another. And this is really destructive. This is really bad for the family. Parents or grandparents, people that you've got, you've got younger ones in your life. We got to work really hard at making sure everybody knows, hey, I'm going to go out of my way to make sure that everyone understands that the parents or the grandparents don't love anyone more than the other one. We all love them the same way God loves them, and we're going out of our way to make sure that they understand that. It's not appropriate to demonstrate that you prefer one over another, and you say, well, you know, this one's kind of better and this one's kind of worse. Well, you don't even know that that's going to remain the same. How do you know that in three years they're not going to flip? And the one you lavished all kind of love on now, man, they're the scoundrel. We don't know what's going to happen. God is demonstrating to us through the scriptures, be real careful about that stuff, dude. Everyone, God's got a different plan for everybody, but you as an authority figure, you make sure that they understand each one of you is special. Each one, God has a special plan. What should Jacob have done? Instead of preferring Joseph, he should have drawn near to all the boys. He should have had special time with all of them. He should have made all of them understand, hey man, you're worth more than a coat. Verse 4, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. 
Now that's, to me, that's, you couldn't say a kind word to him? Dude, that's crackling tension. Who doesn't notice this? How do you not see that at dinner? So here's negative family seed number two. Too passive to oppose evil. Too passive to oppose evil. Um, parents, let's, let's take our cues from Jacob. There are things you have to deal with. And you got to deal with them soon. You got to deal with them quick. I know it's real popular today. Well, you know, I don't want to make any waves and I don't want to tell them. No, you're the parent. You've the delegated authority by God. You tell them. You get in that life. You pay attention. You're the one God picked. And your job is to get in there and not be too passive. Jacob's just waiting around. I don't know what he's waiting around for. You can't tell that there's difficulty between these brothers. You can't tell they're about to kill him. You can't tell that they can't even say a nice word to him. And you're not going to get involved in that some way? And and what do we want to do? We want to just look the other way when kids are experimenting with evil. No, you get in on that thing. You check it out. You ask questions. Instead, we want to ignore everything. Well, you know, I kind of don't want to find out. Yeah, well, that's the very moment you know you should find out. You need to get in there and ask some questions. You need to engage that thing. You need to draw near now before it's too late because all kinds of evil results because good men and women do nothing. They don't step in. They don't say, hey, I care enough to even make you a little bit mad at me. I'm so thankful for my mother-in-law because um, there were times my wife, when she was a teenager, she was, she was dating every you know, moron you could find. And, and, and my mother-in-law, she got in there. She's like, uh-uh, she's waiting for a real man. That's what she's doing. And she got in their face, you know, and it was probably uncomfortable, and Kenzie didn't always like it, you know, and there'd be teenage, teenager mom fights. But I'm so glad that my mother-in-law stuck with it, man. Stick with it. Protect their future. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's not always about getting loud. We, we, we feel like we need to get loud because we already waited too long. Now we're, we're like the pressure cooker. And we're like, oh, I don't want to say nothing. I want to say And then you say something dumb. You blow up. Instead of the smartest thing to do and the first thing to do is draw near. Get in the life. Get in the relationship. Don't just bark orders. Don't just weigh in with your great wisdom, but you don't really know much about the kid. You don't know what's going on with them. We need to start as young as possible and do that as long as possible, or we're just giving authority over to the rest of the world. I don't know why we'd ever want this world to raise our kids. Are you, a grand- you say, well, I'm just a grandkid. I don't have much authority. Well, you got some, so get in there. Do whatever you can do. It's on you. Don't wait for something. Oh, I'm praying. Yeah, pray for you. Go to it. Verse 5, one night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. <laughs> Listen to this dream. He said, we're out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you're going to be our king, do you? Do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of the dreams because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Okay, so these guys are, they're annoyed, not only with the content of the dreams, but he, that he's so stupid that he's gonna share it with them. And they're like, little Jojo, we've killed people. You, you little, you little prancy guy, you're gonna rule over us? I don't think that's gonna work that way. And all they're doing is getting more and more upset with them. Now, you know, we don't know why Joseph would share that. hopefully at some point you think, I don't know, this is a good idea. They seem like they're about to cut off my head. Maybe I shouldn't share this this dream. But I think we should project good motives on him. I mean, he's 17. He probably, he's like, I want to share, you know, they're usually closest 
humans to me. I want to share this. There's this exciting maybe God thing. Dreams were very respected in that time. They were thought of as maybe God is divinely guiding me. He wants, to, he wants some kind of connection. He wants some kind of emotional something with these brothers. So he tells them, and it just backfires. I don't know about you, but I did a lot stupider stuff at 17 than that. And so we don't want to judge them too harshly. Verse 9, soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream. He said, Sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Now, of course, his real mother, Rachel, has died. So Jacob's probably talking about one of the other mothers that were around, probably kind of became a, an adoptive mother toward Joseph. Verse 11, but while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Now, Jacob... I mean, Jacob, he's seen some weird stuff, man. This dude's wrestled an angel, so he's, he's a little bit at least more thinking about, well, I don't know. God rescued me from Esau. Maybe, maybe God's trying to get a hold of my boy somehow. Verse 12. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. Now, that's the very same place where they slaughtered that entire village. So there's probably some concern of what they're doing over there, but we'll get to that next time. Let's loop back to the prologue, agonizing envy. We've got to go back in time now. We're going to go back to Rachel. We're going to learn the wisdom of Rachel. Rachel learned some things back in time that her offspring and her family need to remember. We're going to find a key there. Let's talk about the third negative family seed, <clears throat> which is jealousy. And I'm going to read Genesis 3, verse 1. When Rachel saw that she wasn't having any children for Jacob, she became jealous of her sister. She pleaded with Jacob, give me children or I'll die. And Jacob became furious with Rachel. My God, he asked, he's the one who has kept you from having children. Now that's a little bit of a mean way to say it, but it's not wrong. God has not yet answered her prayer and so she's jealous. And this is the negative family seed that is hurting her now and is going to hurt her kids in the future. Envy has been described this way. Envy is a desire to possess another's Another person's gifts, passions, position, or achievement. And it's not always overt. Sometimes it's just like this mild annoyance. You ever had a mild annoyance? I don't know why they think they're so good. I don't know what makes them so special. And sometimes you can even have this like in spiritual context. It could be people at work, but it could also just be people at your church. And you're like, they think they're just so spiritual. Now, they may or may not think they're so spiritual, but there's something in us that's like, I need to prove them wrong. And we get in the flesh, we're not even really thinking about the fact that we're thinking this way, but of course it blinds us to God's plan for us. It distracts us from what God wants to do in us, just like it distracted Rachel at first. She's looking at Leah. She's looking at her sister. She's like, I don't know why she gets all these kids and I get nothing. And she's getting really upset about it. But you know what she learns long-term? The wisdom of Rachel is that she learns to just play her own part. She recognizes Leah's going to have all these kids and all these other wives are going to help her. And I'm just going to get the one that I get, but I'm choosing to play the part that I have. You know, the tragedy of Joseph's brothers, they were all sons of Jacob. They all at any time could have looked to God. They could have said, hey, man, you know, we're children of promise too. God, we're looking to you for your destiny for us. But for the most part, for most of their lives, because of jealousy, because of bitterness, because of anger, they missed all that God could have done in their lives. 
because they were focused on somebody else's promise rather than their own. Making much of somebody else, listen to this, doesn't make less of you. There's plenty to go around. Making much of somebody else, celebrating somebody else, celebrating how awesome something is going for somebody, it doesn't make your life worse. It doesn't make you less of a person, but insecurity tells us that it does. Well, you know, the secret is celebration. The secret is to celebrate what God is doing over there because it releases me of this comparison trap. It releases me of having only misery because someone else is, there's something great going on with them. It's wicked for me to allow that to keep bugging me. I have to choose, I'm going to celebrate them and I'm going to celebrate them publicly. I'm going to hopefully get a friendship with them because who knows? Who knows what kind of partnership, what kind of potential is being shut down because of that jealousy? Who knows what I'm not seeing that's beautiful and awesome over there because I'm just sitting here being envious. Making more of them does not make less of me. You know, Joseph, he was... He was it for Rachel. Like he, he was finally the thing that came to pass. He was, this, this was God finally delivering it. And, but there's no way that Rachel could have known what a major component to God's plan Joseph was. All those 10 years. You know, she probably wanted the baby earlier, didn't she? I mean, hey, why don't we get it on five? Why don't we get it on eight? 10 years later, and we're still praying for this? I don't think God wants, I don't think God wants to do this. And it, she keeps on praying, and she doesn't realize Joseph is a major part of what God is going to do down through the centuries. He's going to deliver the children of Israel ultimately, bring them into Egypt. He's going to be a kind of a Christ. He's going to do all these important things. Now, I wrote this down. I want you to listen to this. The agonizing postponement of a dream brought about the saving of a nation and the protection of a promise. I'm going to read it again. The agonizing postponement of a dream. The postponement of a dream. It's not happening. It didn't happen yet. God is postponing it. Why is he postponing it? Well, because he postponed it. It brought about the saving of a nation and the protection of the promise. Um, have you got anything that feels postponed? Have you got anything? You're like, I don't know why this, what? I don't know why this isn't happening yet. Can you and I imagine together, what if it's the postponement of it? that is ultimately going to bring about something far beyond what we can see or think or imagine right now. Say it a different way. The prayer that Rachel was tempted to give up on was the most important prayer she ever prayed. What about you? What prayer are you tempted to give up on? And it might end up being that is the most important thing that will result from your life because that's what it was for Rachel. So, Positive family seed. <clears throat> We've had a bunch of negative ones. Let's have a positive one. Positive family seed against all odds prayer. Rachel was praying against all odds. She was planting the seed. I'm going to believe. I'm going to pray that God is going to do something. I'll tell you what, man. That's the kind of family I want to be a part of. I want, hey, what do we do, Carter family? We go to prayer against all odds. We believe the ridiculous. That means if you're dealing with debt right now, you're praying against all odds against debt. I don't know how God's going to get us out of debt. You know, we're going to do our best, but God's going to get us out. And if, if it takes 10 years, we're going to keep on going. Or, you know, one, one of my kids is, man, they're just going south. Well, against all odds, just keep praying. Well, you know, my friend's on Harold. Well, just against all odds, keep praying. Keep praying and keep living. Keep pushing. Have the wisdom of Rachel. Don't give up now. What if this is the most important prayer you ever pray? What if this is the most fruitful down through the, through the decades, maybe the centuries? 
Because you didn't give up. You didn't let go of your God. You kept on going. What if there's dreams that God has put in your heart that the enemy is super afraid of? And he's like, you need to shut that down. You need to quit praying about that. And God is like, no, I gave those dreams on purpose. You keep praying. Because the time is going to come where you might recognize that was the most important prayer you ever prayed because it brought about what I wanted to do. Hey, listen, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. I know it takes boldness. I know it takes, I'm afraid to get disappointed. Well, be afraid to be really disappointed when you get to heaven and be like, I should have kept praying on that thing. That would have done a whole lot more than I allowed it to do. And sometimes, you know, it's true. So we need to keep praying and then we also need to keep surrendering because sometimes the version of the prayer that I'm praying is, you know, it's kind of cockeyed of how God actually wants it. He wants to shift it a little bit. He wants to loose it from us so we're not trying to be in control all the time. And he wants to give us it kind of repackaged, kind of a little bit different, but we need to keep praying and we need to keep surrendering. And some of us say, well, you know, Carter, I feel like, you know, now I'm just too old. Now too much time has gone by. There's nothing that can happen about the dreams of my heart. Maybe. But maybe. Maybe that's true, but maybe. It doesn't mean you missed something just because you didn't get it exactly the way you saw it. Because check it out, Rachel, she had baby Jojo to 10 years of praying and believing. And then probably about six or seven years later, she had Benjamin. But she died then. She died right then. And, and you could say, well, you know, Poor her, she didn't have all these other babies. No, the babies she was supposed to have was Joseph and Benjamin. That's what she was supposed to have. That was God's plan. That was how it was supposed to go. And for some of us, we need to surrender in the way that we say, you know, there may not be time left to do this, but I just, I give it over to God. That's what it was supposed to happen. That's how it was supposed to go. If I've been trusting God and I've been seeking God, I've been looking to God and the thing didn't happen, then Rachel, I'm sorry, you were only supposed to have two. And she didn't want that. She's watching everybody else do this stuff and she's like, why, God, why? And he says, shh, blessed, faithful heart, you keep praying because I'm gonna bring about the two, but they're a crucial two. It's really important that these two, so you let go of wishing you had eight and 12 so you could be better than the, all these other sisters. You let me bring about the two that I want to. Listen, listen again doesn't mean you did something wrong. doesn't mean you, ah, oh, you know, I just jacked it up somehow. No, you trust God, you believed, and you prayed with everything you have, and God brings about what is supposed to happen. But there's one more lesson from Rachel. So it's not just that you didn't do something wrong. Rachel didn't know when she had Joseph, she has six or seven years left. Now, what if she would have spent that entire six or seven years pining for more and more kids instead of enjoying baby Jojo. I want to submit to you the possibility that sometimes because of envy or because of jealousy, we're pining for all kinds of stuff, but we're missing parts of the promise that we already have. Is it possible that some of the things that you're waiting for on some kind of like better or larger or sweeter scale, God says, shh, you already have a lot of that. Don't miss it because you don't know how many sundowns you have left. You don't know that you're not going to spend your whole life wishing for some amplified version of the beautiful thing that you had but you didn't enjoy. Is it possible that, yeah, you don't have perfect relationships, but you got some really killer ones? Yeah, you don't have all the stuff, but you got some really nice stuff God's given you, right? You don't have the greatest church on earth, but you have the second greatest, 
right? I mean, there's just, there's stuff that we're, we're not seeing. Baby Jojo is right there. Let's enjoy him today. Let's say, God, thank you. You've been faithful in these things. And I don't need you to just cater everything to my whims. See, at the end of the day, we got to trust God is the one who brings meaning and significance to my life, not me. It's not by me attaining things. It's not by me attaining 10 more kids. It's not by me attaining this, that, or the other thing. It's by saying, God, I'm believing you. I'm moving forward. I'm trusting you. But it's you that gives me significance. It's you that attains the dreams I'm supposed to have. It's you that are going to work out your plan for my life. And that means sometimes I'm going to see some of the good things I've been believing for. And other times I'm not going to know why. I don't have as many kids as Leah. I don't, or Leah. I don't know why, Leah. Leah. I don't know why I don't have as many kids as Leah, but I know God is bringing some good stuff to, to pass, and I know that God plans not only the ends, he plans the means. There's a lot more to learn from Joseph, but we're going to shut her down here. Let's pray. Yeah, God, sometimes we are just missing what is right in front of us. And, there, you know, I thank you for hope. I thank you that there's, there's more that we can do and there's, there's greater things and there's things that we should push forward to, but there's also so much that you've done. Oh God, would you help us to enjoy the baby Joseph that we have while we have time to enjoy it? Lord, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters right now and everybody listening. God, would you give us grace to keep on praying and keep on believing and keep on trusting that you plan not only the ends, you plan the means toward those ends. And oh God, protect us from envy. Protect us from missing the abundance that we have because we're focused on someone else's abundance. God, we trust you that you don't just randomly, like Jacob, favor only some. Thank you that we have the favor of Jesus on us right now and you're determined to get us what is ours as we step forward in faith and confident trust and prayer. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this, why not subscribe? Share it with your friends. Click on the share button and take a screenshot and then share it on social media or your social stories. Hey, whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Thanks for listening.